0: You are listening to the Sill Podcast with Peter Noce and Harry Posner. Rewinding to December of 2017, we re-release a slightly revised podcast of an episode you might have missed: Episode 31, "Exit Stage Left." Good leavings. <laughs> Good leavings, good riddance, and get the hell out of Dodge. On this planet as we know it.
1: Yeah. Well, how do we want our end to look like? Mm. What kind of rituals would we like? Do we want the usual funeral-type ritual? Do we want something different? How about an Irish wake? Uh-huh. You know, How would you like to go? What would you like to, uh, to have at your final uh, celebration of your life?
0: Music. Lots of music.
1: What kind of music? What would you like? Give me some tunes that you'd have spinning. On oh,
0: your. some good R&B, some uh, Stairway <laughs> to Heaven. It doesn't necessarily mean mean that's where I'm going. I would have that uh, Jewish tune,
1: Die, Diana, (laughs) die, Diana.
0: (laughs) So you're not talking traditional then for you? No, no, I don't think so. First of all, I want to be
1: cremated and not buried. I want to have my ashes spread under an oak tree somewhere. Any oak tree would be fine. I
0: mean, how important is it really to you? Is it important to you that you do be taken out in a specific way, or are you okay with leaving it to those you leave behind to take care of you any way they wish?
1: No, I think I'd like to have it done my way, for sure. I mean, after all, I've been dragging this body around the planet for how many (laughs) years, you know, and it's been servicing me pretty well. Okay, And so I'd like to give the body its due. And so in this case, being spread under an oak tree to help it grow, to me, that's a nice thought.
0: Uh, Specifically an oak tree.
1: Yeah, because the oak is considered a very sacred tree in many mm. traditions, like ah. the Celtic tradition especially. Okay. Oak trees are good. Given- a Jewish
0: guy with a Celtic tradition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Check out my kilt. <laughs> My gilts as well. But um, yeah, so that's the kind of thing. And I'd like there also to be music, poetry, good stories. In fact, a few years ago in a writer's group, the prompt that we got was to write our own eulogy. And boy, what an interesting challenge that was. No, and- that would be. So I did. I wrote my own eulogy, as I felt people should read it. But it forced me to look at my life in a different way, to try to gain some perspective on it, to point at the times and areas in my life that are worthy of remembering or celebrating and that sort of thing, and the qualities of my personality that are worth remembering and celebrating.
0: Makes sense. So you want to exit with a celebration of your life.
1: Yeah, we have always felt that this tear-filled ceremonies and people are wailing and crying and gnashing their teeth over, oh, he's gone, he's gone. We don't really know where he is. Or she. Or she. Why are we doing that? Why is it necessary to have such sadness and tears? After all, death is as much a mystery as birth, and we celebrate birth. Why don't we celebrate our passing? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, we've all had experiences of different funerals, and some of them are quite unique, some of them are, are kind of classical. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditional, and I've always remembered the more unique ones.
0: But the basics behind all funerals are essentially the same in varying degrees. It's about uh, honoring the dead. It's about an opportunity to say goodbye or say hello, whatever the case might be, mm-hmm. uh, depending on your particular religious perspective. Yep. But it's really about giving people an opportunity because the deceased, I mean, what opportunity are we talking about for them? It's
1: Well, as you know, there's an uptick in the idea of doing a a pre-funeral funeral funeral while the person is alive. I like it. Where you can do all of what you just said, celebrate their life, have fun, have a wake, all that, while they're still in the room, so to speak, Mm -hmm. so that they can experience it. Because, after all, when we're dead, we're not really experiencing the funeral. But, I mean, maybe we are as a spirit or something hovering around, but we don't know.
0: Right. Right. Uh, What you're saying is giving yourself a chance to participate where you're never going to have that chance if you take the traditional route.
1: Sure. I want to hear those stories that people are going to tell about me in advance. I'd love (laughs) to enjoy them, too.
0: And be ready for the negative stuff, too, right? Well,
1: yeah. All the above. Well, it's amazing how much you don't hear of the negative stuff at regular funerals. The life is often whitewashed. You know, true. It bothers me when that's the case, you know, especially with my own relatives who've passed on, mm-hmm. hearing the, those stories. That,
0: about how wonderful they were.
1: Yeah, and making up stuff about them that really isn't true.
0: About uh, that cheap uncle that you had that was never good to you.
1: Exactly, <laughs> and they say, oh, he's such a generous soul, you know, bullshit, <laughs> he, wasn't, he was a miser, you know, that kind of thing. You want to say something, but you can't because right. it's, other people are there, blah, blah, blah. So tell me about your experience with funerals. I know you've talked about your mother's and your father's funerals. Tell me about those two and how different they were.
0: The funerals were different because at different times of my life, and in one I sort of just went with the game plan, and the other I set up. So they were two different experiences. When my mom passed rather early at the age of 65, and kind of a blur in some ways in the sense that I didn't really get too involved because my father obviously was his partner and my sister, my aunt. My father went to my mother's sister for a lot of things. So really, I wasn't that involved mm-hmm. uh, other than attending, participating, being a pallbearer, uh, which I was for both my parents, which is unusual in itself, I think. or was, at least People have told me it was unusual. Was
1: there a lot of crying and gnashing of teeth and stuff?
0: I never found my family to be too excessive in that regard. Uh-huh. They're not quite as traditional. And you guys
1: are Southern Italian, too. Yes, which is we, are. For yes we are. Yes, we are. My
0: parents weren't typical oh, okay. uh, uh, in, in some ways of Southern Italian right. families. Right. Even amongst my aunts and uncles, they weren't cut of the same cloth.
1: And then your dad's funeral was different because you had a, a hand in that. So what yeah. about the difference there?
0: The main difference was is that I broke with tradition and had the ceremony, the funeral all in one place so that people did not have to move from the location and everything took place in one day, which was also unusual. So it wasn't, you know, one day of visitation, then another day for the funeral and the mass, and, and I uh, eliminated the mass part altogether. I just did a very short service with the priest uh, inside the uh, funeral home itself. Yeah. The, the other difference was is that I mentioned to my relatives in deference to them because it was their brother and so on, I was not going to take the traditional role of sitting in a chair waiting for people to come to me to pay their respects. I sort of wandered the room and talked to people, greeted them, and so on, and tried to respect everyone else's wishes in terms of how they wanted to handle that particular situation. But it was unusual in the sense that it was less ceremonial than usual, and as I said, it was all in one location. Oddly enough, many people of the older people came to me quietly during or after the ceremony, almost whispering to me, asking me how I went about doing it this way. My reasons were actually quite practical. My father was a few weeks shy of his 84th birthday, and I knew that a lot of people in attendance would be elderly. And I was looking for a more practical way Mm -hmm. of getting things done as well. Did your dad make his preferences known to you in terms of when he died? Not really, because my dad and I had some very interesting conversations a week or two before he passed. When I brought that subject up, he basically left it up to me and my sister. He wasn't that adamant about it. uh, But my father was always a very practical person that way. He was more insistent on us going to the lawyers and checking things over. And really, he had no way of at that point, he didn't know he was going to die, but he must have sensed it mm. because the last couple of weeks of his life, he was very insistent in a nice way. He was saying, Pete, come on down. I want to go over things with you. And I said, okay, Dad, no problem. So he must have felt something wasn't yeah. quite right.
1: Yeah. It's hard to know when to talk about that kind of stuff as one gets older. You mm. know, I'm almost 67 now. I mentioned to you earlier today. I haven't had uh, that conversation with my wife, getting into the particulars of what happens after I die. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told her I'd like to be cremated. That's about it. So I. I think
0: they are important conversations to have. Oh yeah, um, not even just from a practical level, but I think it's important for us all to understand how one another feels, and so that it reduces the burden. Yeah. When things do happen, and everybody knows what to do. And really, if you're looking to go out in a, as you stated, kind of a celebration of life... You have to look after the practical things to ensure that, because if people are fussing and fighting and not knowing what to do, it's pretty difficult to be in a celebratory mode.
1: And sometimes you have families that start to squabble about it. If the wishes aren't known, people have their own idea of how dad or mom would have wanted it, Mm -hmm. and it can cause strife
0: in families. A simple thing like open casket versus closed casket.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One of the things I really enjoy about funerals, (laughs) funnily enough, if I can say that, Mm -hmm. is some of the rituals. For example, in the Jewish tradition, the person has to be buried within three days of death. And at the funeral, at the internment, the ritual is that the men there in particular who are attending, Mm -hmm. each have to pick up a shovel and shovel some dirt onto the coffin in the grave. Later on, the the groundskeepers come and finish it. But that tradition, I think, is a good one. It really puts the people there in touch with the actual fact of it. it. Yeah, the Mm. finality of it. And it goes back to old traditions where the family would bury the person directly. It wouldn't be Mm -hmm. quite as done up in the trappings and $10,000 caskets and that sort of thing that we have now. And uh, funnily enough, I threw out my back doing that at my uncle's (laughs) funeral. And so Mm. uh, that moment stayed with me long after every time I had a back problem. I thought back to that moment of shoveling dirt into my uncle's grave.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that about, the ceremonial portion of it or or the traditions associated with it. But for me, it's amazing some of the things that I think about and reflect on, Mm -hmm. many of which I would never voice because it would probably shock people.
1: Like what, for example?
0: Uh, Well, for example, it could be something... A very simple or basic to me, an impure thought or a, <laughs> uh, at, at the oddest of times. You're I don't getting know. all biblical on yeah, me. Yeah. What well,
1: do you impure thoughts? Give us an example. Come on, give me a, I find
0: on. a lot of my senses, <laughs> and perhaps because of the situation, my senses, period, are heightened. My hearing, my vision, my... Really? Yeah, yeah. I find that to be the case. And, and there's a certain... I don't know what it is about funerals, but it's always been such a one of those times where there really is a peace in the air. You don't have to ask anyone to be quiet. Right. That quiet sound mm-hmm. serenity and mm-hmm. total silence. Yeah. Literally you know, when you hear the expression could hear a pin drop, sure. well, you can at a funeral. And that's the part that I find interesting too about the senses where I said the thoughts that go through my mind, not so much now, but when I was younger. If there were a couple of attractive ladies in the funeral, uh, (laughs) I don't know why, but but in a very nice way, not in a disrespectful way. My sense of living was heightened by the fact that I was in an environment where we were talking about the opposite happening. I really gained an appreciation for having good health and being able to stand there. And I was joyous in the fact that I was feeling good, if that makes any sense. Totally.
1: Now, imagine... You're in India, and you're at a funeral Mm. in India. And very often, funerals are really funerals in fire. The Mm -hmm. body is on a pyre, and it's lit up. And at one point in the history of India, not so much now, thank God... The wife, the spouse, obligated to throw herself onto the funeral pyre and and go with her husband. Insane stuff. I wonder why the reverse was never true. (laughs) I asked the guys about that. But that's a whole different sort of feeling, Mm -hmm. you think, than what we do in the West, which is kind of put the body in a casket and kind of Mm -hmm. cover it up. And often it isn't open. But here, you know, in India, say, you've got, you're watching the body being consumed by fire and being taken up into the air and becoming ash Mm -hmm. in front of you, which really puts a different perspective on how we treat our bodies and how we think about our bodies.
0: Sure, and to one religion or one race, it's perfectly normal. To another one, it's almost objectionable to conceive of. Cremation for a lot of people is inconceivable. Yeah,
1: it's true, Uh, isn't it?
0: The actual burning for other people, being buried six feet under is inconceivable. There's so many different things. The thing that I've always found about funerals that fascinated me Is that it brings out the best and worst of people. Hmm. Yeah. It's that moment of reality check. Mm -hmm. This is actually what's happening. It's not something you can run from. Yeah. There's no escape from this. Yeah. I'm hoping that I can leave this earth if I get that opportunity, because none of us knows exactly how it's going to take place, that I can leave with dignity. I'm already talking about this, and we'll be talking about it with our son. And it's a discussion that I do wish to have, because what I'm experiencing right now with family members, friends, and what I've seen over the last few years, I do not want to replicate what I'm visualizing. I do like not what? this long, drawn out oh, situation. Dying. If I'm in a situation where I know I'm not going to get better, and I'm only going to be a burden on myself and others. Yeah. I'm a very strong believer in assisted death. Well, we just passed a law
1: not too long ago in Canada legalizing assisted death in certain circumstances. Yes. We? So that is changing here. Euthanasia, as it was mm-hmm. called, was a really verboten thing. You didn't want to talk about it. It was too polarizing mm-hmm. and people were dead set against it and I think we've gradually loosened that yeah. objection and, and I'm also
0: a very strong believer in going to the person who's having the experience because I know with a lot of families sometimes when people die and they haven't had things in place special requests and so on family members begin to fight amongst themselves as to what they should do I'm planning never to be in that situation I believe in totally respecting the individual Whatever the individual decides, assuming they're of reasonably sound mind, mm-hmm. I'm in total agreement with, regardless of how other members of the family feel. I uh, think
1: when I die, the marijuana laws have changed. Ah. I think I'd maybe like to have uh, some tokes on a good weed, have my favorite playlist of tunes uh, absolutely, yeah, and ride off into the sunset on the waves of, come on, baby, light my fire. Light my fire, yeah.
0: (laughs) Not my pyre, my fire. (laughs) My fire,
1: exactly. (laughs) You know, and gallop off into the spiritual sunset on the back of great music.
0: Sounds wonderful to me. I hope I have that option. If you can go out peacefully like you just described, wow.
1: Yeah, on the other hand, and I've had this discussion with my wife, when they say, died peacefully in his bed, or died peacefully at home, my wife always cringes and says, how the hell do they know how the person has experienced that last breath? You don't. You know, how it's not necessarily peaceful at all, even though you may not see any sign of a struggle. Who says it's peaceful inside, in your psyche? After all, pain is pain. Mm -hmm. And when I think about my last few breaths struggling to get the air into my lungs, to me that makes me crazy because... I almost drowned once, and that was my intimation of dying, and so for me, the most painful thing would be being totally aware that this could be my last breath and the feeling the body struggling against it, raging against the dying of the light.
0: Sure, know? of course, but you're still using the parameters which are known to you. Until you get to that actual moment, you have That's no true. idea how you will experience that. We go on based on what we know, so you assume that Things will play out a certain way, but perhaps there's something that happens at that moment because my experience has been all three situations seemed quite peaceful. Now, whether or not they were experiencing that at that moment or not, I'll never know. Yeah. But there seems to be, again, assuming you have time because obviously if something hits you very fast, you're not going to have time to do all that. Yeah, right, right. But there seems to be a certain tranquility that enters at some point, either as resignation or acceptance. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm only telling you what I experienced.
1: You're talking about whether they're under drugs or not, right? Yes. Because most often people are under drugs at the
0: end, unfortunately, in a way. Death is a subject that is, is widely avoided, and yet To me, it's as significant as birth and sex and eating and sleeping. Sure. But it's a subject that oftentimes people do not want to even broach. When I think of myself growing up and going to numerous funerals, all the situations that I can recall, ultimately, to me, the way a person died was more important than the death itself. I was more bothered by how a person died. So, for example, if they were alone, if they were unhappy, if they were miserable, if they died without any family or friends, that weighed far more on me than the actual passing. Mm -hmm. So, when I think of death, that's how I think of it. Even now, for me, the saddest part of our modern life is when you can no longer have those people close to you in their dying days. To me, that's infinitely more difficult than death itself. I really dislike, even though I know the difficulty of it and I know even the impossibility of it in some situations, it bothers me when people are far away and on their own.
1: Yeah. Well, it can't always happen, as you say, because we're spread out now in the modern world. Mm -hmm. Once upon a time, families lived together in the same vicinity forever, and then so you'd always have family around at deaths. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that death and dying may be something of the thing of the past at a certain point. Mm -hmm. We have something called cryogenics. Yeah. It's relatively new still after X number of years in development. I think Walt Disney was supposed to have been cryogenically yeah, frozen, right? Yeah. What do you think? you think? Would you think you'd like to be cryogenically frozen and then unthawed out after 50 years?
0: I don't know. I haven't given it uh, <laughs> that much thought. And I've never been preoccupied with living long. I've been more preoccupied with living well. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that's why I never looked at that or never thought about that. I'm more preoccupied about leaving this planet, having taken care of unfinished business and leaving, as I said, if I can, in a peaceful mode, you know, with some dignity and with as little pain to those around me as possible. Because if they see a scared and troubled and angstful individual, that's going to weigh very heavy on them, my family members. You know, if they see me at peace and see me accepting and being able to pull a smile out of my hat if I need to, it's going to make it a lot easier in them. And that's ultimately what I would like to do. Now, I don't know until you get there. You never really know how you're going to handle it. Mm -hmm, But that's what I'm hoping.
1: A friend of mine made a film about death and dying. And the film was kind of focused on that certain moment before death when often is the case where the person suddenly has... A sudden energy in them. Mm -hmm. They'll often sit up in bed, or they'll raise their head, and they'll smile before they die. And it's the whole film is about that smile and what it means, and what are they seeing, what are they experiencing that brings on a smile? Is it a certain wished for? light or heaven or angel that's visiting them that suddenly they realize it's okay and I can go or what is it so as you said you
0: talked about my parents earlier on interestingly the hardest thing about my mom's passing was that I saw her passing as a person who left this world unhappy Mm. uh, sadness now my father may have had every reason to be as sad or not but that's not what he communicated to me he communicated to me that he was leaving very satisfied, that he survived the war, he'd come to a foreign country, raised two children who seemed to be doing well. He felt full of satisfaction. Now, he may not have experienced that in his dying moments. He may have been frightened, whatever, but that's what he left me with. He left me with satisfaction. So when I think of my parents even now, that's predominantly what occupies my mind is how they left
1: yeah and dignity as you say in my mother's case uh, towards the end she was such in bad shape that they put her into icu Mm. And so she was on a respirator, all the tubes, all that stuff. And for me, that was the very hardest part sure. uh, towards the end, was going into that room and seeing her all trussed up with technology. Mm-hmm. But what happened was she somehow realized, I think, it was coming to the end of her life, and she got her lungs to work. She got off the respirator. She got out mm-hmm. of ICU and back to the room. And then within a few days, she knew... Somehow that it was going to be the end and she waited until her husband of the time, my stepfather at that time, came and visited her in the morning Mm -hmm. and was able to hold her in his arms while she passed away with
0: dignity. I do believe that sometimes people hang on for a specific reason. Sure. Um, In fact, with both my parents, I said to both of them in different situations, I said, everything's good. Feel free to go if you want to.
1: I think it's important to have those conversations with our relatives who are dying or our friends, even though we may not think they can hear us even. To be able to speak to them.
0: One of my pet peeves, you just hit on that. When I see someone that everybody in the room knows is on their way out, they're dying, whether it's in five minutes, in half an hour, half a day, and they start saying certain things as if the person is not there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Speak as if the person can hear you. And apparently, our sense of hearing is the last to go. That's
1: what we're told. Yes, we're told that. Mm. And so, yeah, having those conversations and having a chance to say goodbye is so important. My wife's uh, husband passed away, and she wasn't there at the hospital. She didn't have a chance to say goodbye, really. Mm -hmm. And when she got there the next day, he was gone. The room had been made up, remade. There was nothing in the room. There's no indication that he had even been there. And that was so crushing for her that she couldn't actually be there and experience him at the end like that. And she's regretted that ever since.
0: I think it's important, whomever is in your life, that you know you're going to lose in short order. Take every opportunity to make peace. Take every opportunity to make it easy on yourself. It's about you and how you're experiencing that person. And if you're full of guilt and anger and resentment and the person goes on you, they're not going to feel any pain, but you're going to carry it the rest of your life. Sure, absolutely.
1: So let's get that done. Let's have a party. Don't worry, don't worry, worry, be be happy.
0: The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production available at thesillpodcast.com.
1: Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.